Hello and welcome to Rooted Together Podcast, a podcast which aims to root you in Christ through His Word together. I'm your host, Charles Hegwood, and today we are in Luke chapter 2, and that is a the very famous chapter in Luke. I mean, most people who have never read the Bible have heard this story from this chapter of the Bible. Luke 2 is the birth story of Christ. It has some of the most famous lines in all of Scripture, such as, in those days and in the same region there were shepherds. And we remember these things. We read it every year. And what I want to point out here as we read this is that this is not just for Christmas. It teaches us eternal truths about God that are just as good in December as they are any day of the year. But because it's such a well-known chapter, I do not feel like I have to read the whole thing or rehash the whole thing or come up with a very nice Christmas message for the whole thing. But I want to bring out some details and some interesting thoughts, such as we have verse 1 and verse 8 look like this, in those days and in the same region. And we read that and we've read it so many times that we often look past those things, but we have to ask the question. And it's an important question. Why does Luke write in those days and in the same region? Well, because he's wrapping this story in real history. This isn't a fairy tale. He does not start it as once upon a time, nor does he continue from the last chapter without giving any details as to where or when this happens. He is telling his reader in Luke Theophilus, in us as a whole, he is telling us this really happened. He is wrapping this story in a historical context and geographical location. And that is not a little thing. So as you read that chapter, whether it's at Christmas or any time of the year, when you read those phrases, don't look past them too quickly. They're important. They wrap the story in a real historical context. Now, as we continue, as we actually dig into the text a little bit here, what I want to do with this story is I want to look at several big themes and several big points as I've read through it and I've meditated on it this week. What came out to me? And I want to say from 15, from verses 15 through 21, I want to say that we see that God keeps his promises. I mean, first of all, the fact that he sent Jesus into the world and the fact that the word became flesh fulfills a real promise in real history, real prophecy. But we also see that there, even in Luke, internally within this chapter and the story as a whole, and his book is gospel as a whole, there is a a theme that God keeps his promises. The shepherds go and investigate what is been told to them by the angel in what they've seen and what they've heard. And it says clearly three different times in three different ways that what they have seen and what they have heard was just as it had been told them. That's an important detail. Luke is telling the reader they went and they found that what God said he would do, he would do. And we have in verse 19, Mary treasuring up all of these things and pondering them in her heart. Is it possible Luke talked to Mary and got these details? It's very possible. Look at verse 20 again. This is now the third time we'll see this in in these short verses. Go back and read them. Find them. It says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. 
that's the third time it said that, that what happened was done. What the angel told them would happen, how they would find it was done. And if God kept his promise, they would find a baby in a manger. Then we can say that that promise of who this child is unto us, a savior is born, a child is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders from Isaiah and from the angel to the shepherds. He will save the world. God has found favor. He is God's favor. We see those themes in what the angel says. And if the angel had said this to the shepherds and all they found was to be true, just as it had been told them, we can trust that everything the angel said was just as it had been told them. The next thing we see in the next set of verses, and really throughout the first three of uh, two chapters, and really in the chapter three, we see uh, specifically here in verses 22 through 38, we see Mary and Joseph being obedient to the law of Moses. This may seem odd that at the end of the beautiful Christmas narrative, and we so often end it at verse 20, we don't generally read verse 21 and what comes after, but in verse 21, what comes after says, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And we go to verse 22 and it says, and when the time came for the purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to prepare him and present him to the Lord. One, this fulfills prophecy, and Luke tells you, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male uh, who open, first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And they offered sacrifices. They were obedient to the law of Moses. They were not exempt from the law of Moses. Jesus was brought up under the law of Moses. He knew the law. He was subject to it. He, he, he was submissive to the law. He was presented. His parents were. We'll see Jesus being submissive to the law and to his parents in later chapters. See, this is important. Jesus followed the law of Moses. See, so many get it wrong when they think, well, I follow Jesus. I don't need the law of Moses. Well, we have to ask what was the law of Moses? Now, the law of Moses contains some things we don't follow today, like the cultural laws that were for Israel specifically, the sacrificial laws. But the moral laws of Moses we keep. It's important. Jesus followed these laws. Jesus connects with the people he was sent to reach as well. He's brought up in the same law they're also going through. This action also places Jesus at the temple on the same day that Simon and Anna were there. And that's, that comes up later in these verses. So we can again see the theme that God keeps his promises. Simon was told. Before he dies, he would see the salvation of the Lord presented to him. And when he sees Jesus, which happened to be the day he went to the temple led by the Spirit, he sees the salvation of the Lord. So we see that tie into that theme of God keeping his promises, the same to Anna. And God keep it, keeps his promises. He fulfills his promises. He knew at the at least part of the reason why Jesus would die. And we see that Simon, as he sings over Jesus, he understands who Jesus is, why he is there. He doesn't understand in full because he dies shortly thereafter, but he understands that Jesus is salvation and that he would die. He, he tells his parents the same. He says, you're, you're, your very soul will be pierced with a with a sword. And he's, he's looking at the fact Jesus will die. 
for the sins of the world. But right now, what we look at is we see God fulfilling his promises. We see Mary and Joseph being obedient to the word of the Lord. And we see him being uh, him, the Lord fulfilling his promise to Anna as well. She had been faithful. She's seen, she sees the salvation of the Lord. And it says in verse 38, and coming up at, at the very hour that she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. There are more who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem because she saw Jesus. She then goes and begins to tell others. It's the first proclamation of the gospel. The good news is starting to spread even as Jesus is a baby. And we continue and we read, and anytime you read in the gospel, Luke, the favor of the Lord, we're to read the we're to read grace leading to salvation. So we see in verses 39, and when they had performed everything according to the Lord, again, they were submissive to the law of Moses. They returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. God has bestowed his favor, his anointing, his grace upon Jesus, because he will be an instrument of grace. And I want to look at that verse because, again, we don't read this. Luke chapter 2 is a great Christmas passage, but we often stop so early in that Christmas passage. We don't tend to go all the way to the end, and we see Jesus grows. Now, first of all, he returns to Galilee, and some of you might know that before he returns to Galilee, he runs to Egypt because Herod is trying to kill him, and that's true. We're not told that in Luke, not that it didn't happen or there's a a problem with the continuity between the Gospels here. It's just that Luke does not seem that seem to think that is as important for his Gospel. It does not match his theme. It doesn't match his overall point, so he doesn't mention it. But he does mention they return to Nazareth because eventually they do. They get back to Nazareth. We find Jesus at Nazareth's, Nazareth as, a, as an adult preparing to start his ministry. So he has to go there and live there for a time. Now, Luke, as we get ready to end this episode, also includes a story that is often odd to us. We, we see Jesus as a 12-year-old going to the Passover, which they went to every year, which is amazing because that's a long journey for them. Uh, so we see Jesus as a 12-year-old. We might ask, why 12? Why is Luke, if they went every year, he went when he was 11. He went when he was 10. He went when he was five. Why are we being told about Jesus as a 12-year-old, this one story? Well, why is because the Jew, in Jewish culture, 12 is when you, were, you, you become a man. If you're a Jewish boy, you become a man at 12. 12. You're an adult. And when you're 30, you're actually considered in that culture almost like a senior adult. Not that you're a senior adult in the, in the Western ideology of it, but at that time period, when you were 12, you were now under the law. That's what the word bar mitzvah means. It means son of the law, that you were coming under the law of God as a man, fully accepting it, embracing, upholding it. And Jesus was now considered a man under the law. And what do we see him doing as a man under the law? We see him, uh, first of all, evade his parents, not necessarily evade them, but he's in the temple. He's talking with the teachers. He's asking questions. He's answering their questions. They're asking him questions. He's also responding. And that's important because that shows he's already very wise. Now we see before this, Luke says he grew in wisdom and we see that he in fact is growing in wisdom. He's very wise. He's a astonishing the teachers here. Now, in this very interesting story that 
we have Mary and Joseph. They go on back towards Nazareth three days before they realize that, oh, Jesus is still in Jerusalem. We got to go find him. And I, I like the fact that Luke, again, gives a very detailed three days. I don't think that's an accident. I think the three days they are gone is symbolic of the three days he will be buried. He will be dead and buried. And Mary will again look for him and find him alive on the third day, just as she finds him in the temple in Jerusalem on the third day, talking with the teachers. Now they're angry. They're rightfully angry, right? Because they couldn't find him for three days. I mean, this would be a nightmare if you're a parent. You can't find your kid for three days. So Mary scolds him since she had been searching for him for three days. And she will again have to again wait those three days to see him again years and years later. Uh, on both times, Jesus is about his father's business because she asked him when she finally finds him, do you know what you did to us? We were looking for you for three days. And he says, I must be about my father's business. Jesus understands, even as a 12-year-old, I am here for a purpose. It's not to uphold the family business. It is to do what God the Father has sent me here to do. But I want to take a second and say Mary's scolding brings up a the question of, was Jesus being disobedient to his parents? Because if he was, we have an issue because Jesus is supposed to be sinless. And so Jesus's answer here is very important in explaining, was he disobedient or was he still being obedient? He is about his father's business, the business of God that supersedes all other earthly allegiances, even parents. That's hard for us to take in, and we don't like that, but it's true that Jesus must be our highest allegiance, and Jesus modeled that by saying, my highest allegiance is to God the Father. I must be about my Father's business. And we find in verse 51, though, he goes back to Nazareth, and, and Luke tells us he was submissive to his parents. He does not use that as an excuse to be disobedient. Jesus goes back with them, and he is submissive, fully submissive to his parents. And his mother, again, Mary, treasures up all of these things in her heart. And we end this chapter in verse 52 with it saying, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. He grew as a human would grow, and in favor with God and with man. These are all very important things. One, Jesus grew in wisdom. Even though he was fully God and had all knowledge of things, he grows in wisdom because he's fully human as well. And he grew in stature because he's fully human. He grew in favor with God and with man. These are, again, very important themes that Luke is going to bring out again and again throughout his book. Thank you for joining me in Rooted Together, and I look forward to joining you in Chapter 3 next time. I'll see you there.